Welcome to the Zenove Podcast. You're listening to our Business Resilience Series, where we bring to you conversations between eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they discuss their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that help them navigate the journey of crisis, resilience, and growth. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Zenov Podcast, Business Resilience Series. I'm Rajat Kohli, partner at Zenov, and I'll be your host for today. In 2020, we saw companies lose relevance overnight when consumers lost access to them owing to the global pandemic. In the last 18 months, however, we have seen companies accelerate their digital transformation journeys at an otherwise unimaginable scale and speed. A lot of companies that were not exclusively direct to consumer, in other words, D2C before, changed their models. This pivot not just keep their business afloat, but help them thrive in these trying times. The D2C market globally is at an inflection point and expected to touch a massive growth in the next few years. Digital channels have been enabling companies to cut out the middleman and reach customers directly. Today, I have with me Sid Jatia, General Manager, Global Retail and Consumer Goods at Microsoft Corp, who will help us understand how traditionally non-D2C companies have been leveraging technology to future-proof their businesses, among other things. And of course, hear from him on how Microsoft has been enabling its customers with this transition. Sid has 18 plus years of valuable experience in retail and consumer goods industry, including more than 10 years in developing, executing, and managing evolving digital businesses, leading change through customer experience. In his current role, he leads strategy and investments for Microsoft retail consumer goods industry across products, business capabilities, partnerships, and m and Welcome, Sid. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Hi, good morning, Rajat. Uh, thanks for having me here and uh, looking forward to the discussion. All right, then without any further ado, let's jump right into the discussion. I know this is a very interesting topic and everybody is eager to understand how the industry is moving. You have been in the retail and the consumer goods industry for a long time now. Can you shed some light on how the industry has transitioned over the years and what were some of the key breakthrough events that lead to that transition? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question to start with, Rajat. Um, yeah, I look back uh, about, I think it's been about 18 years. Um, I started working for Razorfish, which was back in the day, one of the leading interactive agencies. And I remember one of the first sort of portfolio work um, I got to operate was um, Oreo. And uh, quite interesting, because if I look back and what were we doing then 18 years back, we were building a consumer engagement website for Oreo. And then I think about today, fast forward 18 years, uh, the the role of uh, digital is so ingrained into how businesses are run versus a consumer engagement site. Uh, that's sort of the macro theme. And I mean, I think as we start to peel the onion in terms of what are the some step changes which have gone through in retail and consumer goods over 18 years, the ones which are dominant and, and very top of mind right now as we come out of COVID. 
rise of e-commerce, we all know we've had some 20 years of growth in two years. Um, we've had supply chain becoming a first-class citizen. It's no more uh, back office and front office. Uh, magic really happens at the cusp of the two together. And um, it's it's both. It's uh, the personnel who are operating back office uh, today are part of the executive board. They're part of the conversation. But more importantly, they all are working together. So it's not an executional profile anymore. It's a strategic profile around how you operate companies. And we think about the world of direct-to-consumer. We'll talk more in, specifically in a few minutes here. But generally, I just think those are some macro trends um, which have um, really formed the foundation for what new retail is in my mind. And I think so the next, uh, the, the disruption that is happening is very specific as a direct-to-consumer. And it is seen as an emerging trend in, in the last few years. And we have seen some D2C native companies witnessing exponential growth. As per you, how do you see the future of D2C? A lot of people will say direct-to-consumer. The reason to go to direct-to-consumer is because you don't have to pay some exorbitant margins to retailers to drive your distribution. And I think all of us appreciate while the margin opportunity is probably real, direct-to-consumer is an extremely hard business to operate and run profitably. So I, I would almost put the margin motivations aside. I mean, the biggest reasons why CG companies are going direct to consumer is really that they want deep intelligence around their consumer because you are only so good as the products you make. And if your products are going to be more relevant to your consumer, the better company you are, the better sell through you'll have. And, and how do you make better products? It's by better consumer intelligence. And how do you get better consumer intelligence? It's by consumer proximity. So DTC really allows for direct connection to the consumer, not only in terms of what are the products they're considering, what are the products they use, what's the life cycle of use. None of those patterns are typically obvious to consumer goods companies. Those are typically intermediated through syndicate data partners or through retailers. So that, that's really the, the major motivations why you know, companies are trying to go direct to consumer. Well, that's, that's very interesting. And just to add, like we have seen that many traditional brands, as you already highlighted, as per you, what are the, some of the interesting channels that these companies are adopting to go to the D2C model? And how do you see the various channels evolving? Uh, yeah, so channels is, is an interesting concept, and, and many people, when when you talk direct-to-consumer, the first thing they go to is e-commerce. It's it's putting products on your website and selling it, and and I think where you're, you're trying to take this conversation, and I do appreciate that sort of push, which is direct-to-consumer is almost channel agnostic. It is about getting close to your consumer, whether it's in a physical store and running your own and operated stores whether it's about running e-commerce, whether it's running on Amazon or Zalando or whatever that might be. Now, the point really is, you know, when you when you sell through um, three Ps like Amazon, Zalando, Tmall, uh, Alibaba, all, all of the big sort of conglomerates, um, data aggregators, the question really becomes, is that the direct-to-consumer strategy anymore? And I, I think that the jury's out there. Like, it's sort of direct-to-consumer because... You know, people, when they buy from Amazon or any other big marketplace, they still connect with your product and your brand. But you could argue that a lot of times, you know, people don't care about the product they are buying from a brand perspective. It's about convenience and immediacy. So so I think that that's really the dictating factor around, like, direct-to-consumer, the important aspect is connection into the consumer and visibility into consumer pattern. And if you can, 
if you can get that. Um, and, and all respect um, to to our competition, but there is um, there is very limited visibility into consumer uh, in terms of consumer propensity when when you are selling through large three P marketplaces. So, so, I mean, but it's also necessarily evil for for a lot of brands because they know that demand sits on these large platforms, and um, you know consumers are. Are are kind of coached uh, to buy from from these marketplaces, so I think that sort of drives uh, the reason. So to sum it up, I mean the channels are owned and operated store, three P marketplaces. The most fascinating emerging channel for direct to consumer is things like out of home. So think about self service kiosks. Think about things like Uber and DoorDash. So there is an opportunity with a lot of consumer goods companies around the world are going direct for distribution through these last mile providers. Now that begs the question, where is the retailer? Has Uber and DoorDash become the retailer? So I think there's interesting sort of phenomena that's being happening in terms of distribution. And the point really is channel doesn't matter. Like you, you have to be where your customer is and that's what direct to consumer is. That's interesting. And as you, as you highlighted these examples like the Uber, the DoorDash, I think so the technology will also play an important role. And as we see the advanced technologies with the help of the sensors, the drones, even the AI, I think so a combination of all this will provide a better experience to the consumers also. Yeah, you're right. A lot of um, intelligence is predicated on technology. And, And technology is not just web analytics. Technology is ambient sensors, it's IoT, it's about, you know, all sorts of these data input mechanisms which exist and and brands and and both consumers have to be aware that where is that sort of delicate balance of give and get? Brands can't ask for more than consumers are willing to give. So there's also responsibility on technology to really drive that handshake between consumers and brands, especially in a direct-to-consumer setting. Uh, I mean, we, we, we're all going through, you know, what's right and wrong, uh, privacy. We're, we're trying to understand, like, consumer ownership of data. So all, all of that are incredibly important concepts for brands to get right when they think about direct-to-consumer. Interesting. And if you look at the other side, like, what are some of the challenges that these companies are facing to go to the D2C model? As for you, yeah, that that's actually my favorite question. <laughs> so I'll say, while everybody's fascinated by direct to consumer, it is a really really hard business. So what what makes it super challenging overall, I would say, is that the clarity of what product you should sell on direct to consumer, it's still a sketchy science. You know, most people are guesstimating it and they're feeling their way through it. Um, there is huge opportunity to sort of make sense there. Then outside of that, I think as you can start to think about like you've got a lot of talent which was built on sort of you know on the shelf marketing talent, and now you're starting to think about demand generation in terms of uh, social media management and things like that. Again, you know, very different skill uh, which you have to start to you know build within your teams. Uh, traditional category management world in, in most CPG companies is starting to uh, you know give give room to how people should think about like merchandising in terms of product presentations on site and stuff, which didn't really matter because ultimately if you're 
wholesaler was going to buy more, more of your product. All you cared was like your sample room was in shape. And after that, like product presentation didn't matter. Like product presentation mattered in marketing campaigns. Like, you know, again, talking about a little bit of my experience at Under Armour or even other specialty apparel, product presentation and wholesale only matters from the lens of the retailer. The expectation for CG is that you just build great product and you you sustain great campaign. So now when you start to go direct to consumer, product presentation matters. And just simple thing, those two words, there's a huge science and there's a huge skill set gap in most companies around that. So all of these complexity, and now you can start to say, you're still very experimental in terms of your sales volume in DTC, if you're especially new to this side of the world, right? And now you've got small sales volume and you've got high operational costs. And, and quickly that starts to lose steam for many brands trying to experiment their way because they're like, oh, we thought it's going to be high margin. How come we aren't making money in the short term? So, so there's a journey to optimize, optimize, optimize. There's journey to really share cost across channels and really think about your know, connection across all of these ultimately to get to a sustainable business, which is truly a creative to your PNL and it's a creative to, to your overall strategy. So, you know, I gave you a fairly high level answer, but there's, there's just tons, which is very complex and challenging in DTC. It would be good to know what is Microsoft's viewpoint on the D2C space or the D2C model? You'd like to shed some light on that? Yeah, I mean, I, just, I think, you know, we, we have a very deep bench when it comes to uh, direct-to-consumer product entities. So, as, as you know, within the world of Dynamics, um, we've got, you know, Dynamics Marketing, we've got Dynamics Commerce, we've got Dynamics Supply Chain. So, while as a hyperscaler, we, we are focused on, you know, making sure that, Azure is, is the number one cloud in terms of value to, to our customers. Now, we're also very focused on making things simpler for our customers. And that's where really the dynamics um, end-to-end suite in terms of um, you know, demand gen to logistics is really exciting for customers who are either trying to go and, and experiment in that journey or are established player looking to consolidate and optimize their stack and I think you know it's 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 worth sort of digging in there and, and and seeing like because there's like software born on the cloud which is a bit different than software which was born legacy and there are different principles and how, how that software sort of drives and runs so you know for people interested you know they can they can dig in and find out but I think that's an exciting prospect to have a fully vertical integrated product suite and as you as an industry veteran if you were asked a playbook or a success recipe for a company. Just venturing into the D2C, what would that be? I think it would start with really thinking about your consumer and your assortment. Like the mechanics of how you stand up channels, how you operationalize them. There's tons of efficiency you can work through. And there's tons of great startups doing interesting things. There's tons of hyperscalers doing interesting things. But like as a category manager, uh, if you don't know what you're trying to do in terms of is it a unique customer you're trying to get to, consumer more so than customer? Is it that you believe there is your product assortment which uh, you want to get market intelligence? Is that the reason you're going direct to consumer? And I think that's where the channel strategy, channel strategy, channel strategy, channel strategy. Like really, if you have a really tight channel strategy across your wholesale and direct channels, um, 
I think you'll, you, you'll be fine. Uh, so I would just say get maniacally focused on getting that right um, before you start experimenting on operationalizing your channels. Sure. And I think so. Any 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 suggestion or the part of the playbook which talks about the data also how how they think about the data in the coming time as part of the playbook? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean absolutely. Like it's not a it's not a choice. It's a necessity. So it's um, you know I'm sure you know these big brands and enterprises um, have investments across you know really senior data resources. But again, going back to that commercial manager, commercial director, category manager. That person has to get really in tuned into the insights and intelligence across their category from the chief data scientist or you know this, whoever your data lead is, because the data lead's job is to facilitate the best insights to the right business units. But as a business unit lead, really understanding like skew rationalization plan, understanding consumer behavior and propensity to churn and buy, like those are areas. Um, you know, you got to get very programmatic and it all sits on the shoulders of data. Interesting. No, I think so. I agree. Uh, data is one of the key aspects. It's a, it's a goldmine for any industry, especially in the retail CG, which is more focused on the consumer side. Now on a lighter note, uh, Sid, are you a D2C person or an e-commerce person? They, they, as we shared, like it, it is not two different things. Like e-commerce is is, uh, is a subset of direct-to-consumer, but then you could say e-commerce is also a broader concept, which goes beyond DTC and goes into other industries and retail. So it's kind of like apples and oranges. I mean, obviously, I've spent large parts of my professional career in e-commerce and direct-to-consumer both. So I love them equally. I'm, I'm fascinated by what both will bring uh, in terms of serving customers. I'm fascinated about the role I, I will play uh, in, in making direct-to-consumer more relevant for our customers. Uh, and as a consumer... I'm a big shopper. I'm probably one of the, <laughs> I'm the few few sort of you know male male colleagues who really get excited about shopping and going to the mall still. So I I, I hope and pray this is not going anywhere and it only gets better uh, for the shopping experience. Great, this is very insightful. Thank you, thank you so much, Sid. Uh, this is this has been a truly insightful conversation. I learned a lot. It really offered valuable broader perspectives on the functioning of the D2C model. I think so the way you started the definition of the D2C, that was super helpful for all of us, especially in relation to the technology and the digital transformation. I'm sure our listeners agree with me as well, and they have a lot of new ideas and the food for thought to take away from this interesting conversation. Once again, thank you so much for taking out the time to have this conversation with us. Thank you, Rajat. It was uh, fun talking to you as well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the Zeno Podcast Business Resilience Series. We'll be back soon with another episode with another leader. Till then, take care and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. To know more about Zenove, visit our website, www.zenove.com, or drop us a note at info at zenove.com. Follow us on Twitter at Zenove for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Business Resilience Series of the Zenove Podcast.